Welcome to the Emo Social Club podcast, broadcasting to you from emosocialclub.tv. I am Brian. And I'm Lizzie. We are the Emo Social Club. We talk about emo music. That's what we do. That's what we, we're doing today. We do pretty great at it, I would say. I feel nervous of saying that we do really well, and then someone listens to this episode and they go, oh, that was a I mean, th- we've had a lot of comments so far that, you know, would say otherwise, but we'll see what you guys think. <laughs> the same guys it may be different guys you don't know yeah this is a podcast for new guys every week (laughs) this is uh (laughs) so this is an episode where we are reviewing the black parade by my chemical romance in preparation and expectation of when we were young fest of 2024 uh we are doing a series of these reviews over on our youtube channel where we are reviewing all 56 records that are being played at the when we were young fest this year uh, we are going to be there. We will be watching some of them. We will not be watching some other ones, but we're giving some reviews of them and giving you little little tasters and teasers of of the fest for later this year. Yeah, so maybe you'll listen to one that you maybe have not listened to and you can see our takes on it and perhaps it'll persuade you to go check it out, whether that's a good or bad thing. We call it influencing. We are influencers. Uh, this is obviously <laughs> the audio version Make sure to go check out our YouTube channel for the video version where we are talking about it with video Uh, and make sure to subscribe to us over there just so you can catch when all of the new episodes come up. Uh, While you're just on the internet browsing, you should maybe go and find us on social media. You can find our Emo Social Club Instagram at Emo Social Club and you can find us on Twitter and TikTok at X Emo Social Club X. And you can find me at Spooky Pants One. Wow, and you can find me at Borden Bathory on all platforms. Also, this is the last week of voting for the Best of Chicago 2023 uh, for the Best Music Podcast, which is us. Yeah, of Uh, course. So you want to go over to the link in our bio and link in our uh, description, the link in everywhere, uh, in order to vote for us for the Best Podcast music, (laughs) parentheses, music. You have until Sunday the 14th to vote, so make sure to go do that at the link now. Don't forget, we need all the votes we can get. We want number one this year, up from number three, ideally. My fingers are crossed on the audio. Yeah, we're always against really big heavy hitters, and if I if, the fact that we got third last year still, I was like, this is wrong. <laughs> we are the heaviest hitter, and I say that to threaten James Van Ostel. <laughs> What's up, James? Uh, (laughs) respect um yeah make sure to vote over there also uh this is a little teaser tester thinger uh our patreon is is up now you can go to patreon and find us at emo social club and we're putting up some cut content uh right now all of it's free if you would like to give us any money please do but you can watch a bunch of cut content for free coming up in the future we will have extended podcast episodes over there we'll have some additional content from some of our album reviews like this one will have some additional uh, content from YouTube and stuff. But uh, there's a few things if you want to go watch them up there right now for free. Just go to Patreon, Emo Social Club. You can find it over there. Uh, we would love to uh, have your support in order to continue to do the things that we like doing here and do more of it, too, if you're feeling it. Yeah. And also in the coming weeks, as we do interviews uh, with our podcast segments that we have coming up, it may sound a little bit different, but it's going to be fun and good. And you, again, if you're on the Patreon, you will get the, un I mean, slightly edited, obviously, but mainly unedited versions of the long form interviews. Yeah. So please check that out. Uh, thank you for your support ahead of time in all the ways that you are supporting us. Let's go ahead. Let's get into the review. This is our review of the Black Parade by My Chemical Romance. 2024, When We Were Young, it's coming up this year, and they're doing all album plays, and we are going to look at all of the records that are being played, 56 records in total. Absolutely silly. And we're going to review every single one of them. Now, some of them we have listened to since our childhoods, uh, for you, because none of these are from my childhood. You they're mean from my, my adolescence? They're from my, uh, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> You're, yes. I was like a mid- or late middle school, early high school. Yeah, I was uh, definitely an adult uh, in college <laughs> for most of these. Uh, late high school, college, depending on the record. Um, but we're going to go through all of them. We're going to talk about the ones we know. We're going to listen to ones we've never heard before in full. Uh, there's going to be some where Lizzie knows it and I don't. And there's going to be some where I know it and I'm a fan and Lizzie has never heard it before. And that's going to be... Uh, that's going to be a time. It's going to be exciting. 56 records in less than that amount of weeks <laughs> uh, in leading up to when we were young. And we'll make recommendations will tell you what other people think about it and maybe you know you'll you'll be excited about this record and you'll go and watch them at the festival or maybe you're going to be upset that we like something yeah maybe maybe we maybe don't you like hate it, it. I don't maybe know. we tell you to skip something uh we are starting off this series with we'll just get the big one out of the way the headliner the number one record on the list the black parade by my chemical romance so we're just going to jump right in <laughs> and get that one out of the way. Uh, both Lizzie and I know this record front to back extremely well. And the well. B-sides. And the course. B-sides and everything. So this is a record that that you and I know way too well. Oh, yeah. I feel like both of us have probably listened to it while like having a mental breakdown and crying. I was in the parking lot of the Hot Topic that I bought it from after the listening party that happened the day before. Uh, because they did a listening party for it at the Hot Topic. And I worked there, and it was my day off. And I and you drove like, to go I'm pick up the here. CD and then listen to the whole thing in the parking lot of the mall. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, got, I was, like, in early high school when I found it. And I found it after I found um, I found Helena first, but then I went to Bullets, and then I went to Three Cheers, and then I went down the line. So I came up from it a little bit later because I had to be like maybe a sophomore in high school by the time I listened to it. And that was like 2010, probably. So I was a little late to the game in terms so of like the So not the year release. it came out. No. Gotcha. Not um, the year it came out. Well, before we get into our thoughts about the record itself and all the songs on it, uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about the record itself, uh, the background and the history and all that? <laughs> and some of all that cool stuff? Yeah. yeah. So this is Mike Hem's third studio album it came out october 20th 2006 which when i looked that up i was like damn yep. it was on reprise records which during this time as some other research i've done they had a lot of the iconic like banger albums mm-hmm. that were on there it was also produced by rob cavallo who's worked with green day and the goo goo Dolls, so you kind of have a spectrum there yeah and the biggest thing that comes from this album is one, it's a concept album, like many of my chemical romances albums are. <laughs> to a certain extent, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's a story, there's a whole thing behind it. The main character is the patient going through like him dying and going through like this rec- reconciliation of memories and where he's been to and where he is now. And if you listen to it in order, as you should, there's some weird people out there who listen to albums like on shuffle and that just drives me insane. Please listen to it like a normal person in order. I'm begging you um, to get the full vibe and energy of it. Um, and I find it's really interesting is that some critics classify this as a rock opera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I never really thought of most Mike Chem albums to be like that. But I feel like the way that I saw rock operas growing up is way different than so many other people's yeah yeah it's it's like it has that feeling of like a rocky horror type thing of like the halloween and death and and all that sort of thing that goes into everything that these kind of bands do um and i definitely see like the big numbers and like the different sort of uh feeling behind some of the songs like you're you're going through the the plot of a story right so you're you could you could imagine that there are characters and that there's a whole storyline that that goes through it. So that's where I definitely see the concept record side of it. Yeah. Um, we'll get into some thoughts that I have about the concept Uh-oh. of their records Uh-oh. when we get there. But uh, controversial. Yeah, continue. Alert! Alert! <laughs> so it did do numbers on in, on the U.S. and the U.K. rock charts, which during that time it makes sense because that was like the big like emo. Fake emo, mall emo, whatever the fuck you want to call <laughs> it's it. It's real emo, guys. Um, that was when the big boom was happening in the mainstream. So it debuted at number two on both countries' Billboard Top 200 charts, which is phenomenal because we really rarely, if ever, see that nowadays. Yep. 
And it's also certified triple platinum, which again, mm -hmm. something that we don't see nowadays with a lot of these alternative artists, unfortunately, unless they've been mainstays in the scene for a really, really long yeah. time. Something that I also found that was a little bit interesting was that um, when this was released, the Black Parade was number two, and they were right behind Hannah Montana's release. Damn. Self-titled release, which is a banger album, too. So listen, sure. I, okay. get right. I get it. I get it. Also a rock opera about death. Yeah, that's so crazy, you know? <laughs> um, I just thought that that was really funny and interesting because I was like, yeah, that's a duality of my two worlds. Because I was definitely uh, bumping that Hannah Montana. Yeah, I was definitely bumping <laughs> Hannah Montana in 2006. I would tell uh, you that. The best of both worlds. One of the worlds is that of the living, and the other one is that of the dead. And that's the concept of. So, which one Hannah is Montana's. really Hannah Montana? <laughs> is she really alive or dead inside? <laughs> uh, no. Miley Cyrus, please do a Hannah Montana tour. I'm begging you. Anyway, the main singles <laughs> off of the Black Parade. We're welcome to the Black Parade, of course. Everybody's heard it. They have the radio edit version, so it's not like five and a half minutes long. It's like three and a half minutes long. Yeah. Famous last words, I don't love you in teenagers. So this had four singles off of it, which are all majority have been on the radio, like at least on alt rock radio, if not like regular top 40 radio as mm -hmm. well. But I don't love you did better in the UK as a single than in the US where that makes sense. It's more of a ballad. It's slower. Sure. So, but also the UK does have a little bit, the UK and Europe have more of like a rock it's basis rock for radio, their, yeah. yeah, for a lot of their music that they listen to. We're over here, we're more pop generated, pop and Generally, country generation yes. right now. Uh, rock does, yeah, rock does a lot better uh, on radio and, and just in general fandom over in Europe. So yeah, that, that tracks, but it's interesting that, um, I, I don't know, with, with radio here, I'm, I definitely hear Black Parade. It's still being played. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, it hits with sugar and and uh, I write sins. Like, just, all right, we got a block. Here you go. I mean, what's funny now is that, like, so I listen to Sirius XM and traditional um, radio as well. And I'll hear Black Parade on, like, Q101, which is our local state alt rock station here. And But sometimes I'll hear it if I'm, like, in the car with, like, my parents. And it'll be on, like, The Mix, which is, like, kind of the mom rock station. Yes. Because it's just adult contemporary. It's just, like, things that were like popular and I'm like oh that's really strange but when I listen to Sirius XM they have a pop rock station and it's all or and then they also have like an early 2000s 2010 station now too that's basically yeah. like a throwback station and I've heard Blink-182 on there I've heard yep. Sum 41 on there yep. I have heard Welcome to the Black Brain and Teenagers on there and I'm sitting there like I get it because I understand <laughs> how radio has to move and things like that programming wise but I'm like I don't think I like this uh we're at that age. Yeah. So anyway, um, it's on the radio, <laughs> I guess. It's on the I, radio again because there was a time where we were, at least when I was in high school in like 2009 to 2012, my friends and I were like, why isn't there any there's never rock music like, on the radio? There's never I don't that listen stuff on the radio. You can, uh, our, and our now there is. Yeah. Our alternative station, though, didn't play a lot of these songs until they had a resurgence like more recently in the past like decade. Yeah. It's so like, otherwise, oh, we finally figured out that Blink-182 is not the only uh, pop-punk band it's that so exists. Or, or Green Day. Isn't that yeah. so crazy? Um, but back to where they landed in 2006 in ye olden times. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Enemy placed the album um, on their best 50 albums of the year in 2006 in 10th place, where Rolling Stones placed it at 20th place out of 50. So again, Enemy UK base. Yeah. Rolling Stone, U.S. base. Yeah. So we still see a little bit of that division. I didn't look up to see what the other LPs for either one were, but I'm interested to see like what came out that year and what else was kind of battling for that. Yeah. Um, because obviously they do uh, both consider rock and pop and country genre, so they had to probably move within that limit. Yeah. And then they had a 10th anniversary vinyl reissue in 2016. That included um, some live demos that we never heard before. That included live demos of like um, Mama, House of Wolves, and some live demos of B-Sides, like Kill All Your Friends and Help and Heaven Help Us, which those are B-Sides. And those came out like, I think, what was it, a couple years after or like a year afterwards? Yeah, it was the pretty initial close. Release. Uh, they put out like a, I believe I got them all on iTunes, but there was a, a disc that was released 
somewhere. I I don't know. I I got them all on iTunes. So I remember I, I like BitTorrent to that yeah. shit, and they were like, "Here's a separate one on yeah. my like iPod Classic," and I'm like, "Well, it's all on here. It's all there. It's all there." <laughs> if you know, you know the struggle with uh, with iPods. Ha 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 ha. But that's just some general background about like the popularity, how things kind of popped off for them, and where they kind of landed on like the cultural mainstream with it, and now where they are now as well too. Um, is there anything else to add before we move on to, um, I mean, they've had a big resurgence too, just because they've also gotten bigger on TikTok over the last like couple of years, which we've seen, you know, good and bad things come from that (laughs) with a lot of different artists, but more a general mainstream people. And like a lot of younger audiences, because TikTok does target younger audiences, more Gen Z and Gen Alpha as well. So you do see a little bit more of like either teenagers and people doing like outfit changes or being like, this is who I really am inside. So it's like the same cringe <laughs> stuff that we did, but like more public. It's all, all of it's cringe forever. And that's fine. It's okay to be it's cringe. It's fine to be kid. cringe. Yeah. It's okay to be cringe now. Wait, now when you're cringe as Brian, I don't know. Okay. Well, <laughs> the way you said that was the cringiest thing about it. Hmm. Um, also, I'll add, you know, this uh, this album, when they went on the tour for it, they did play the whole thing on that tour, and they did a live DVD uh, live in Mexico, uh, The Black Parade is Dead. So this album has been played out uh, as a full vehicle, as Theatrical a full thing. experience. Yeah, as a full experience many times on a full tour, uh, but I believe that, uh, there, was, there was some memes going around about how... Uh, all men do is lie and it's like the black parade is dead and that was the last time they were ever going to play it and they say that in the live dvd and then it's like when we were young 2024 well i mean listen i didn't get to see it live so i want to see it live give it to me now i did and it was great wow and rise against opened (laughs) so cool anyway um yeah so that's all the history stuff yeah yeah all right so uh let me tell you what I think about this record. Oh, damn. <laughs> so let me let me preface this. My Chemical Romance is uh, my favorite band, I think. Now, I like a lot of bands. I like a lot of different artists. So hard to really be like, oh, I'm, I'm locking it in. Uh, especially because I think when you have a favorite artist and you've listened to it a lot of times, sometimes you get a little bit like, I can't believe that you know they're doing this because like you get jaded yeah you get jaded on it and you're like this is supposed to be my favorite so my chem is my favorite band and this is my third favorite record by them <laughs> like it, okay what's your first uh three cheers okay uh i pr- i am in the minority of people who believe that danger days is one of their best records i mean I, you're correct yeah it it just is it's a great record uh, when we talk about the concept of all this stuff and how there's like uh, they've put like a concept behind all their records, it very much feels like the Black Parade was a forethought, like we're going to make a concept record. And the other ones, they're like, here are some general ideas <laughs> that can connect some of these songs together in some ways. When really my chem just happens to be a very theatrical band that creates theatrical music and needs to have some sort of like connective thread and sometimes it really works uh i think danger days aesthetically is really good and i think three cheers aesthetically is really good and the black parade for me is like yeah i i I know you're going for this concept and sometimes i wish you were just writing like better songs (laughs) like when i think about this record there's like a bunch of songs that i'm like hard-hitting fucking love it i have listened to this record more times than i can count my i've been doing cover band shows of this record all these songs like learning the intricacies inside and out of all these songs and sometimes i'm just like okay but it's way more fun to listen to three cheers and it's way more fun to listen to danger days than some of the songs on this record uh i will say that uh, this is how I disappear, and the sharpest lives are heavily underrated. Oh they are, yeah, they are the top two best songs in this record. If I play the sharpest lives anywhere, or if I talk about it, and somebody's like, "What?" I'm like, "Never speak to me again." This is the hardest song on that album. Heavily underrated. Those songs are so good. That opening, like little bass, like yes, like, it's ah! so good. Um, and I think that's one of like 
the biggest things about seeing this record played is that it's an opportunity for those two songs to really shine where normally they are forgotten about for the singles. Um, now I tend to lean towards a lot of the, the other, the heavier, the louder songs on this record too. I really like mama. Mama is like number one track on this record for me. Um, the theatricality of it, the heaviness of it, the fire, the, the like, yeah, everything the, 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 like, that, like big imagery around it. Um, I think is just makes it that Liza Minnelli feature, the Liza Minnelli feature. Like there is just top tier, uh, behavior, top tier behavior going on, <laughs> top tier songwriting, <laughs> top tier stuff. Um, one of my other favorite songs on this record is this is how I disappear. I think that that is, I think that that's where my chem is being my chem on this record. And I'll mention something about that in a moment. Um, and I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. My third favorite is I don't love you. Really? I really like, I don't love you. I know it's a ballad and it's a single, but I really, I liked the sound of it coming from three cheers. And I just think that like doing sort of this eighties pop rock ballad on the record, like it just worked for me. And I've always, Felt a connection and attachment to that song. Interesting. <laughs> I feel like I, I'm going to give one away from my least favorite. That's one of my least favorite. That's fine. I I, I absolutely. I've, I've always why. like listened to it, and I I love the music video for it. I think it's really cute. It just did never hit me. Like, did I listen to it when I did when I went through my high school breakups? Absolutely, everybody had it on the like their sure. playlist. Yeah, but it never like hit me in that way that like some other songs did on this album. But I feel like that's like a general consensus with a lot of people. Again, it didn't do, do really well in the charts here. It did great in the UK. Yeah. I mean, there's an audience for, for all the, the, the types of it. Um, but here's my biggest issue with this record and why it's not higher up in my favorites of my chem. Um, and I am, <laughs> Because they're my favorite band, it's like I'm weighing them on like a scale that is above a lot of other records. Well, the, and the thing is too is that like if you were to put them in order, you're like this is just like the one I don't vibe with the most. Yeah. It's not like I hate it. It's, it's just ignoring, like I just don't vibe. With it's it ignoring that other much. bands, and it's only with this band. I'm just yeah, exactly. I'm not vibing with it as much. Um, but my biggest issue with this record, even when I first heard it, was they were they were doing a lot of press about the influences on this record: Pink Floyd, Queen, Tom Petty believe cheap trick was in there uh there was a lot of talks about what they were listening to and how they went into producing this record and my issue is all the songs end up kind of sounding like those artists instead of sounding like my chem taking some ideas from those artists uh the end is straight up a pink floyd song dead is straight up a, a cheap trick song cancer is a is a beatles song like there, there are all of these influence. And Queen is obviously in Black oh, Parade, yeah. so like there's so much influence that just was the song, and it didn't feel like it was My Chemical Romance. It felt like it was My Chem doing some of these influences on these songs. That's why I think songs like uh, This Is How I Disappear and Sharpest Lives are they're the most My Chem songs on the record, and that's why I think they're underrated is because they don't sound like other artists. They sound like My Chem. Um, so I want to say at least like my, my two least favorite on this record that are not necessarily in that same, I, I, I think that, you know, taking these ideas from other artists and saying, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. That's my idea is, is egregious. It's, it's, it's an issue that I have with this record, but when it comes to just like the vibes of the record and the songwriting on it disenchanted just is a complete drop off of the record i'm Help like me. i gotta like i i that is the most skipped on this record that really? that is a song that makes this not a no skip record for me because disenchanted just wow. is a complete fall off for me at the end like they obviously have a ballad in i don't love you and i enjoyed that in the middle of the record it comes right after in between like a lot of heavier stuff but then you just drop it off for this this song and I cannot tell you what that song is about, aside from being disenchanted. It's like, yep, that's the title. Um, and my other issue with some of the lyrics on this is I don't know what you're trying to say. And the biggest, uh, the biggest song for that is Famous Last Words, which is just straight up not a good song. 
and I'm being I'm being real here. I hate it here. I'm gonna be very <laughs> I need to leave. I'm gonna be very upfront and controversial. I don't think famous last words is as good as people think it is. This is a really bad take. I think the the chorus and the outro and all that is good, but if you can explain anything about the verse lyrics that isn't just like it sounds like Gerard was just saying whatever came to his head. And he kind of talks about that a little bit in the liner notes. And like, I was going through stuff and the the house that we were recording in and it made me feel like this. And so I wanted to write about it like that. And I'm like, yeah, but you could have like said something because <laughs> you, you literally just didn't say anything in the verses at all. And the choruses are really good. And the, the vibe of the song is good. But when I really listen to it, I'm just like, okay, I'm, I have, I'm not connecting with this. I'm not feeling a connection to the song at all. And that's the whole reason for the song existing was to feel a connection to it. So um, <laughs> for somebody who really likes this record, I'm sure reading I was a couple about songs to say, to you're filth, like huh? reading, you're really reading it to filth. I will say for myself, I do really like this record. I don't find myself revisiting it as often as I do bullets or three cheers or danger days. Honestly, I find myself revisiting like bullets because it's my favorite Mike Ham record. And I have more of a deeper connection with that, but because of the songs that are on here and when I was listening to it, I was at a time of adolescence where I was like, you know, 13, 14, like trying (laughs) to get my shit together. And I was like listening to this a lot as well. Because this was when I went through a really big loss where my great-grandparents passed during that time when I was younger. And I was having a really hard time coping with it. In You're, you're saying because you listened to the record in like 2010, are you saying? This is like, yeah, like 2009, 2010 gotcha. when I okay. listened to it. and Because I, I was going to a lot of this type of music, getting into that type of music a lot more because of that. Um, those like traumatic events that happened. So I was like really going through it. And so a lot of these songs for me felt like more I was going through like trying to like understand what maybe it would have been like in those other people who have passed shoes. And for me, like maybe that was like a really morbid thought when I was really younger. It might be. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> we had so many records that were all about people dying and it's like, we're teenagers. And we're just like, yeah. Oh, by the way, teenagers sucks. That's another. Yeah. Song. Okay. I really we like. agree on that one. Okay. <laughs> that's not, we're going to get gonna, into that one too. <laughs> now that I just like popped in my head, I'm like, yeah, teenagers is not a great song. It's a ripper, but it's not a good song. Yeah. Um, but we'll get into that one. Cause I am also controversial about that as good. well. Okay. <laughs> but I, I have more of like those connections to it, but I don't find myself revisiting in a lot. Maybe one, because I sometimes get those recall memories and feelings and I don't want to deal with it. Uh, there's other issues people can talk about with me later. Um, <laughs> But I also feel like it it is arguably one of the weaker albums, but because of the mainstream success of it, because it appealed to so many different avenues of alternative rock that people probably haven't had it in a while or people who did listen to those older influences when they were younger or in their adolescence, they were able to say, oh, this sounds similar. I'm going to listen to this. And that's just how I feel about it. I think it's a solid album, but it isn't one that when they announced it, I was like, wow, that's really cool. I would like to see the theatrics of it perform live, but I would much rather want to see Three Chairs or Bullets live or even Danger Day. Like, I would rather see any other of their albums live. But the only reason I would also really like to see it live, and this goes into some of my faves, is I would hope that they would play a B-side because my favorite song off of that album, hands down, is Kill All Your Friends. <laughs> my favorite song is a song that's not on the record. It's a B-side. It's kind of on the record. Kill All Your Friends is a very good song, It's though. so good. Um, I don't, I, I just like, I don't know. I feel like if you haven't sat and cried to that song and had a mental break. <laughs> I just love that we're like, we love this record. Anyway, my favorite one is one that didn't make it. It was on the B side. It was kind of on it, there. When you listen to it on Spotify, it goes into it. It's we know, fine. we know firmly that we are not going to see it at when we were young. I can listen. I became really obs- not like obsessed, but I really like it when some, some bands tour and they have different set lists every night. So I would see like, when Fall Out Boy did their Magic 8-Ball one, I'm like, oh, what song did they get? I want to know. Yeah. So when Mike Kem was doing their last tour run, I was like, what songs are we going to get and what songs are other people going to get? And then one night, I forgot where it was. I think it was somewhere in the Midwest, and I was kicking myself in the ass. I'm like, I should have just fucking gone. Their, yeah. <laughs> their other songs they played were Kill All Your Friends and Save Yourself, I'll Hold Them Back, which are yeah. two of my Great top songs. 
my chem songs I've never seen live. And I'm like, that should have been me. That should have been me. We got Boy Division in Chicago. You, you that got was, me. That, I mean, I honestly, yeah. That, that, that all fucked I too. Was Boy Division. Off of this album, though, I also think that Sharpest Lives. Which is, which is just girl math. Girl math. <laughs> girl math and Boy Division. Sorry. Go that on. makes sense. <laughs> Cut that out. Cut that out. No, keep it in. Keep it in. Keep it in. Uh, Sharpest Lives is also one of my faves, but to swap it out so we're not both the same, because I, I think care. Sharpest Live is one of the fucking hardest songs on that album. It is. I mean, like, I would skip some songs just to get to that song, because I listen to albums in order mm-hmm. a lot of the times, just because, like, this song just fucking smacks. It's one of those songs where you put it on, you're like, again, 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 and that's it. But I also think House of Wolves is a song that's like that, too. I mm-hmm. feel like it's a lot harder it is a little bit more reminiscent of their older stuff, too, that I feel. Yeah, that and Teenagers are very blues-influenced. Um, when I first read a review when the album came out, they said he was doing a Jack White impression on that song. Interesting. Uh, and when he, the... the better I, round like the dab, he, I was he about definitely to say, does a like Jack White voice on that. Yeah. yeah. Um, it... It's influenced by that stuff, which very clearly three cheers and bullets are not blues influence. No, They're post hardcore influence. So like taking that influence and putting it on this record is less my chem specific and more rock music specific, which rock opera and all that. I think that, that I think that makes sense. And as far as like growing into something else, sure. But it's definitely a, a departure from post hardcore screamo you were doing on your first two records. Yeah, I will say something that was also very inspo that we differ on. I love Famous Last Word. <laughs> a lot of people, that's their that's, favorite My Chem song. It, and that's not my favorite My Chem song, but that's my favorite single, at least off of this album. Yeah. And it stands out to me. When I saw them at the Return Show in 2019. Okay, I had to rub it in. I just had to. <laughs> I, I remember listening to it for the first time, and I... Like, but probably before that, I very, very rarely cried at, like, shows at all. Okay. I never did. And that was, like, my thing. I was like, yeah, no, like, I'm I'm hard. I'm hardcore. I don't cry at shows. Car radio, Lollapalooza, 21 Pilots on my shoulder. Like, the fuck is happening? Get off me. (laughs) That was Uh a homie Bonnie moment. What do you Uh mean? What do you mean, homie? (laughs) What do you mean, bestie? Uh Uh-huh. But... I remember being at that show and I lost my friend Alyssa because she was somewhere in the crowd because it was just so massive and so big. And I just started like crying and like bawling. And I like she came back and found me and she like gave me a hug. I was like, I don't know why I'm crying right now. But it was because like of like the theming of it all. And like when you get into the breakdown of the lyrics, like I'll see you lying next to me with words I thought I'd never speak. And just tying back to, again, probably why I don't listen to this album as much, a lot of, like, those feelings I had when I was younger and, like, dealing with this, like, loss that I had. It just kind of, like, for me, it was kind of like a a coming-of-age moment in a way because it was, like, I've never seen this band live. They're one of my favorite bands of all time. I'm finally seeing them live, and they're playing this song that I didn't feel meant as much as it did until in that moment. So for me, that's where that kind of stands with that song. Fine. Yeah, I know you don't have that type of experiences, and that's okay. A lot of people have a very strong emotion towards Famous Last Words. I'm not trying to take anything away from you. Having to learn that song to play it live. It probably and, kills and, it, and, yeah. And understanding the words to it and being like, what the fuck are you saying? It just, to me, as a, as a vocalist myself and as a lyricist myself, I'm always looking at it like, I, I don't know what you're saying, man. Like, I, homie, I get I get what you're trying to do, but yeah. it, it ain't working I'm try, here. I'm trying to get in. There's other songs in this record that have that. I Don't Love You, I think, has that. But for me, Famous Last Words just doesn't, it doesn't pull me in with the words that he's saying. Yeah. Well, you know what also doesn't pull me in with the words they're saying? Teenagers. <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally my top least favorite. Yeah. And my thing is, is that the way that it's placed on the record, too, when you're listening to it in order, it's just like kind of thrown in there and it throws the vibe off. It really does. I agree. I think that it's I'm glad it's only two and a half minutes. (laughs) Like, I also feel, too, because we've DJed Emo Nights so much, like we have to you kind of have to play like the bangers a lot. The kids Kids love love it. it. But I'm standing there like, let me play Sharpest Limes, please. (laughs) 
it is one it's one of those songs where i'm like i wish that people liked one of the other ones more than this one yeah it's it's a ripper like i said it's it's a punk blues ripper but it's just not as strong as a my chem song as, as some of the other ones on the on the earlier part of the record yeah so. The thing is, I feel like they front, like we've talked about this before, where you front load. I feel like they front loaded which is, the really good stuff. Yeah, which is why I'm like, how is this a concept record? You can't front load songs. But also, like, <laughs> most of those front loaded songs weren't singles either, which yeah. is funny to me. Also, conceptually, it's like you're you're telling a story about Gerard being like, I am scared of teenagers whenever I ride the train and, like, all this stuff. And what's the concept of the dying patient? Like, yeah, like I get what's it. The story I can there? see where he's just like, oh my God, I'm coming of age. Like the only way I see it is that he's like, I'm coming of age and I'm realizing like, oh, I was a shitty teen. Sure. But like, you don't need, you can write that into another song that fits the vibe. Like you're, I get that also the theming is like, oh, we're teens. So we're like, like this loud or rambunctious music. Yeah. I understand that. But to place it in the middle of the album like that. It, it just it just doesn't work on the ear well. It didn't. It's fine. <laughs> I'll say it that way. Like, I I agree. Looking back at it, that like it's at a bad placement on the record. It's it sounds like one of those songs where the label said we need another single and they wrote something real fast. Yeah, the, it, it very feels. That's hodgepodge. how it reads to me. Um, I mean, I. I can be wrong because a lot of people like that song, so whatever. But it's 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 one of the ones where I go, mm-hmm, okay, we're here. It's there. <laughs> Moving on. Um, one of the other songs I also would dislike only because it makes me cry is Cancer, and I have to skip over it. That's one. I have to skip over it. Uh, When we – I always am like, this is the – sad song right it's like this the, is it, yeah this is the one that's not about like love this well f- love for a, uh, a a dying person it's love for a dying person not for like a relationship which is a lot of the other like emo stuff that was out at the time so it's an interesting lyrical song it's an interesting concept around this thing set to a straight up beatles song uh but i do love that it is so raw and emotional like this is it's one of my songs on the record that I'm like I actually really like it mm-hmm. just because it is that. My thing is is that I like it and when I listen to it I'm like it's great but I'm and going to have like, an emotional cool. breakdown yeah. so I have to immediately you stop. Just, I think that's I think that's why people like don't want to hear it all the time because it is like okay yes I like it and I know it and I don't need it all the time. No, it's like it's good to listen when you need it but like I don't I don't need to listen to it all all the, the way through homie like uh-uh. the live version on the black parade is dead where there's no other instruments just piano and him singing i'm like you did it you made it you like, made it. it you made it more more you did more, more upsetting yeah and then the other upsetting thing only to brian is my other least favorite is i don't love you i get it i absolutely get it yeah it was just one that was like, you know, when you try to listen to songs and you're like, I'm going to try to like this. And you're like, I, it just doesn't, it doesn't hit me. Yeah. I get it. I, I being a little bit older and like growing up with a lot of eighties songs too. Like I do feel that sort of eighties pop ballad vibe that, that it works for me. Cause I like that stuff. Yeah. So I feel it. I understand. <laughs> you get, you get me back. I absolutely do. So those are our thoughts on this record. Uh, we, we, I wanted to try something fun. I wanted to try something a little Silly, bit funny. Goofy mood. And we're going to look up what some other people might have thought. And I went on Amazon and I looked up the record and I found some reviews that other people left on this. Now, this is better than going to Twitter. This is better than going to Anthony Fantano, who rated my chem uh, higher after like reviewing this record after 10 years. Uh, he actually rated it higher. That's uh, also an interesting trend that we will see. Right. Hey, everyone. It's another year that the Emo Social Club is nominated for Best Music Podcasts by the Chicago Reader. And we would love it if starting on Wednesday, December 13th, you go over to their site and vote for us. We have had like a really eventful year, especially the last few months, and it would mean the world to us if you could tell people that you think that we are the best podcast. To vote, you can go to chicagoreader.com slash best of Chicago 
and just scroll through there and look for music and nightlife and find us under best music podcast voting starts on december 13th at noon central time and runs till midnight on january 14th thank you again so much to everybody who listens to us and who supported us over the last few years of us getting up and running and getting our shit together we have so much more planned for 2024 and we would love if we could be number one uh this is written by r mccracken (laughs) oh robert mccracken so, so there's already there's already some <laughs> some beef here. I see. Uh, I don't know. Uh, this was reviewed April 29th, two thousand eight. First of all, I love theme albums. To me, an album should feel like a whole entity, not a shuffle of stuff that happened to be from the same artist. Theme albums aren't the only way to pull this off, but they are a great way to do so. The Black Parade is the campy pop sensibilities of Queen, the dark epic storytelling of Pink Floyd, a la The Wall, the drums of Smashing Pumpkins, the bass and rhythm guitar of Green Day, and the lead guitar of Guns N' Roses. <laughs> God. Like, that's a, that's a, that's a group. Uh, also, that is like all the bands. That the, Smashing Pumpkins was another band that he was really influenced by on this. Don't worry. Billy Corgan, the unofficial emo lead, yeah. as he likes to believe. He kind of is. These are all things that I admire deeply. So why the uneasy feeling when I listen to this album? I think because it's too close to all of those things. If you told me that this was a super band made up of members of those groups, I'd believe you. The similarities to The Wall are especially over the top. I love The Wall and was at first really excited to see the influence of it on the Black Parade. But as the album went on, the similarities became just too numerous. I can tell MCR is extremely creative, but there was a little too... There was... I can tell MCR is extremely creative, but there was too little that was uniquely MCR among the homages. Homages. <laughs> homages. Homilies? <laughs> this rant aside, I still, I do still really enjoy the Black Parade. I don't purchase many CDs anymore, but I'm very glad I got this one, which is, that's literally the way I felt too. So um, just wanted to find a person on the internet who agreed with me. Can we talk about how that's like an Amazon review? Like they're writing, yeah. like they're a legitimate critic. That's how he starts. I mean, it was a good one. It wasn't just like, this sucks. Yeah. Uh, this is a review by Adrian Cooper, written on October 26, 2008. The title of the review is, This CD is clean. Oh. Yeah, there are some S-bombs, but the F-bombs are completely bleeped out. And besides a CD that is clean, doesn't necessarily have no swearing. You like Incubus? They have a CD called Make Yourself, and it has F-bombs that aren't bleeped out. Why would you need a CD that's not explicit just because you're in school anyway? Don't we all have iPods or other MP3 players where the sound only goes to our ears anyway? Okay, moving on. The first time or two that I heard the CD, nothing really stuck out as catchy or noteworthy besides cancer. That one stuck out right away. Wow. (laughs) Now all the singles plus cancer, sleep, and mama and such stick out, and I'm ready to give the CD about four stars. I'm rounding it up because the other guys complained because it wasn't clean. I only got this version because it was way cheaper than the unedited version, parentheses, used. Usually I can't stand edited stuff, but they still drop S-bombs here, so I was pleased. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) I'm sorry, S-bombs. I, I know what S-bombs. it means, but I think that's so funny. They're censoring themselves. I I don't... I want to know how your <laughs> your pick, your top standouts are Cancer, Sleep, and Mama. Like, homie, are you good? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, God. I love that. It's like, don't we all listen to it with our own earphones anyway? <laughs> like, okay. Um, and this, is the, this is the last one I'll read. This is a review by The Watcher's Eye, written on July 9th, 2007. The title is, by all means, welcome to the Black Parade, with four exclamation marks. Whoa. When lead singer Michael Way called the album (laughs) psychotic, he wasn't kidding. Upon my first go-round with the Black Parade, I didn't get it. I sat there for a moment thinking, wait, what? However, having listened to Three Cheers and I Brought You, I knew better than to go with first impressions. So I listened to it again and again and again, and I'm still listening to it almost a year after it's released. What a superb junior effort by this group of alt-rockers, parentheses, if that's the genre you wish to place them in. Oh, my God. This album has a little something for everyone. 
I enjoy this album so much, I would love to write a review for each song on the album. However, that would prolong you from doing what you should be doing, which is listening to the album. Stop reading and start listening. One listen and you'll hear influences ranging from Green Day to Pink Floyd to Queen, all superbly brought together with the brilliant musicianship of My Chemical Romance. If you're even remotely interested in My Chemical Romance, buy this album. And even if you're not interested, buy it anyway. Wow! Wow! I had to read that just to say, when lead singer Michael Way. <laughs> I didn't know Mikey Way was also the same. That's so crazy. Uh, first of all, Michael, put respect. Uh, so yeah, that was a few. That was a couple. Those are like four stars or four star reviews. That's so wild. That person those wrote, do not sound like four star reviews. That person wrote a crazy like positive review, <laughs> like buy this record even if you don't know my chem, and then it's like ah eh, four. I don't want to give I feel five. like most of these reviews. So I also pulled up some that were done by like uh, journalists. And I had one up from Rolling Stones, but it's now behind a paywall. But they get, did uh, give a four out of five stars. So there's that. Thank yeah. you, David Frick. And that was from in 2006. Yeah. But going to one that was also done in 2006 by NME, by uh, journalist Dan Martin. I'll only read a little tidbit here because I think it kind of like brings together everything we kind of talked about so far. There's one surprise left, but we laugh so hard that we won't spoil it for you, except to say that it once and for all disproves the accusation that this band are somehow humorless as if the album hadn't done that anyway. The Black Parade understands that real tragedy is inherently a bit funny and vice versa, and it's the fact that which sees them leave the gibbering bodies of a thousand emo Jessies in their wake. The truth is, they left that baggage behind long ago. If there's any parallel, it's with somebody like Billy Corgan. Not just because of the eerie similarity of Gerard's new hairdo. Correct. Or even the marching band thing. But because both people have bigger imaginations than punk rock usually allows. But having been through their problems with drugs and psychosis already, MCR just seemed too too much of a finely tuned juggernaut to fuck things up like the pumpkins. (laughs) Wow, that was and that's in the, there's a little bit more, but it's just kind of like wrapping it up. But I think that that's a real standout. That's a real standout paragraph. Yeah. Wow. That was enemy. There's no star rating, but from the gist of it, it sounds like that they liked it enough, and they were impressed enough that they didn't fumble the bag. I guess like Smashing Pumpkins did that early. Apparently, on. I don't like, know. Damn. I don't know Smashing How Pumpkins or like that, but like homie, damn, or maybe <sighs> he has beef. With Billy Corgan, maybe I don't know. He well, might. I mean, that's that's not an impossibility. I feel like I guess. it tracks. I guess, yeah. Um, so that's what we thought. That's what some other people thought. Now, here's the question: Is this worth going to see at when we were young, 2024? Yeah, like duh, yeah, yeah, duh. duh. <laughs> like of course it is. I think just for the theatrics alone, like the possible theatrics, because I only have to go off of like archived history of it um <laughs> there was so much when they did it on the on the tour on the stadium tour i mean even tour. even seeing their set at when we were young the first year they did that whole like old man bit so they were still like in that theatrics yeah, but they this time they have to do the jackets they have to do the they gotta whole break thing it all in out the background like the the when we were young has a very nice light setup they have pyro they've got all this stuff so they're ideally gonna do all of that uh, so I believe that, yes, it's worth it. It's worth seeing the entire set from beginning to end. It's worth uh, uh, watching the whole progress and the progression of the theatrical rock opera side of it, which is what they did in 2006, seven when they played this out. Um, shit. I also saw them at a preview show when oh, this re- before this record came out. They did a, a preview show at House of Blues in Chicago. Oh, wow. Yeah. See, don't was- be mad at me when I say I went to the return show. You saw them. More I've than seen me. My Chemical Romance every. Uh, see, so yeah, many don't times, don't fucking come at me. Which is all, I, but I can only see them more. Um, and I I think that yes, I, they will be headlining. They will be the last band of the day on the main stages. Yeah. Um, obviously this record is is not the longest. It's like fifty minutes. Yeah, 60 it's minutes, pretty so, short by comparison. Yeah, I feel. Uh, I'm hoping that they play a little bit extra because the last two years, like. Blink and and Mike Kim had like it's just like as a long trick. Here you sets. go. Yeah, so I'm um, I'm hoping they play a little bit more than this record because obviously 
the record is. I definitely feel like they would play their other singles from like other. Like I feel like they would do the I'm not okay's. I mean, we'll see. I don't know what they're gonna do, but like, I would definitely just go to the set to watch. Hey, the consider record. playing. I never told you what I do for oh a living. God, they'll never do that. They did one time live, and I was not there for it. It was very upsetting. Mm-hmm. Would you recommend people going to watch the album? I think so. They're always fun to see live, and like you know, I mean you you know the album, like you know it. <laughs> <laughs> That's my thing is that you can have a really good time. I had a really good time when I saw them at when we were Young Fest with me and my friends. Like, even though the layout means that unless you're camping out there all day, which I'm not going to do, um, you are a little bit further back. But, like, there were, like, mini pits and everything in the back, too, for the songs. And I feel like that, like, helped, like, give the energy up. I feel like it'll just be a really good show to see, especially if they are able to pull out all, like, the theatrical stops for it. Um, Plus, if you just haven't seen a live like me, like, I got to go and see. I got to. Yeah. So, we recommend going to see it at When We Were Young. Uh we feel positive about this record, even though we can talk shit about it. Um, what do you think? Drop some notes in the comments. Let us know if we're right or wrong or if we found if you the, hate us the most controversial take. Uh, we will be continuing to do all of these these records that are being played at When We Were Young. Make sure you subscribe so you know when those come out. And uh, Emo Social Club, the Black Parade. We'll see you at When We Were Young. Thank you for checking out this episode of the Emo Social Club podcast. If you want to watch the video version of this review, again, that's over on our YouTube channel at Emo Social Club. You can find all of our other reviews of all the albums that will be coming out over the course of the year over there as well. Uh, make sure to like, comment, subscribe there and everywhere and all the wares. Yeah, just make sure you're following us on every single platform that you possibly can. Yeah. So you can keep up to date with us. All your channels of choice. Uh, we will be back next week with an interview back to our regularly scheduled normal, uh, with a twist episodes. Uh, if you wouldn't mind subscribe to this too, since you're already here, make sure you subscribe. So you hear more of our episodes coming up this year, 2024. It's here. We're doing it. It's all going down. It's the year of the emo. <laughs> Don't Brian. <laughs> All right. Uh, Yeah. Thank you for checking this out. And we'll see you next week Uh, from all of us here at the Emo Social Club. I am Brian. And I'm Lizzie. Bye. Bye. There you go.